I'm Kate Young, and you're listening to This is Purdue, the official podcast for Purdue University. As a Purdue alum and Indiana native, I know firsthand about the family of students and professors who are in it together, persistently pursuing and relentlessly rethinking. Who are the next game changers, difference makers, ceiling breakers, innovators? Who are these boilermakers? Join me as we feature students, faculty, and alumni taking small steps toward their giant leaps and inspiring others to do the same. For me, all my accomplishments, everything I've done in my life, nobody does great things by themselves. Every talent needs great people to be successful. And that's one of the things that I'm aware of and I know that I am very fortunate that somebody gave to Purdue so that I could have a scholarship that changed my life. Aiken Adele is a former Purdue football defensive end, co-captain of the 2001 Rose Bowl team, and NFL linebacker. Football is part of his identity, yes, but this episode is about so much more. You just heard Aiken say that receiving a scholarship to play for Purdue literally changed his life. And that Purdue scholarship later compelled him to establish his Dream Builders Foundation, a nonprofit that works with athletes across America to help children in need. We'll get to that in a few minutes, though. Buckle up, because Aiken's inspiring story of perseverance exemplifies the Boilermaker spirit. We'll kick it off with Aiken's life before Purdue. He's a Texas native, so how did he find out about a Big Ten school in West Lafayette, Indiana? And what was his path from high school to junior college to ultimately coming to Purdue? So you went to high school in Texas. How did you first find out about Purdue? Oh, wow. So you want to go that far back? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's interesting is I knew nothing about Purdue. And uh, I think I was uh, looking to sign with one of the Texas schools. I originally actually... I believe I was committing to University of Texas, and um, a guy named by, which some of you might know, Danny Hope, came to school and wanted to meet with me. He, he asked my high school coach at the time, which was Johnny Ringo, and asked to meet with me in between class. And so I go, and I see this, this guy, and he's like, yeah, I'm from Purdue University. And I was like, Purdue? Okay. Where is that? You know, I thought this might have been like a D2, D3 school. And, uh, you know, you know, after we had our conversation, everyone did, did some research, come to find out it was a big school. It was a Big Ten in Indiana, of all places. And I still never thought that that would be where I, I would attend. And but it worked out. And yeah, how did you decide? Ultimately, you probably had different offers to go different places. I did. I did. You know, Danny Hope was really instrumental. We connected. Funny story. So he, when I finally opened up to the idea of possibly going to Purdue, he was going to make an official visit to come visit me and my mom and my siblings. And so where I lived at the time, because my mom had moved from the city where I was at school, my senior year, I would drive 30 plus minutes to school every day, every morning. So I was staying with my mom at the time. And when he flew in, he was asking for directions. Now, I'm old enough to say back then we didn't have cell phones where you could just, you know, use your iPhone, you know, your maps and your phone or your Android. 
you guys try to go through a map quest or just ask somebody, right? <laughs> and they'll tell you to look at either the stop sign, a building, that kind of error. And so I told him, yeah, yes, yeah. So go north on 360, take a right on, you know, look for this big old church with this sign and take it right there. But for some reason, I'm dyslexic. And so at that point, I'm telling him to go the opposite way of where he was supposed to go and coming to meet us. And so he spends two hours driving the suburb of Dallas trying to find me. And finally he calls and like, hey, man, I don't know. I think I'm lost, blah, blah, blah. And finally I realized I told him the wrong directions. And he cussed me out. <laughs> he cussed me out. I was on the other side of the phone. I was like, what? And But finally, you know, we got in the right directions and he came. We laughed about it. And my mom had a good conversation with him. I had a good conversation with him. And I think at that point, I knew something might happen. And so long story short, I got in a car wreck my senior year during the spring. I was in and out of school. I became ineligible to play Division One football. And so I had to go to junior college. Went to junior college. Danny Hope also had a big part of this. He said, don't worry. We'll get you into a school. He suggested Coffeyville, Kansas would be a good place for me to go to school. I'm a Texas kid leaving Texas to go all the way up to Kansas. And I ended up going to Coffeyville, Kansas. Coffeyville, Kansas is so small. Our locker room was a barn, essentially, <laughs> and just stacked shelves in there. But also, you know, it was one of the great decisions that I made. Small town vibe, but great people, great experience. And Scott Downing was assigned to be my recruiter at that point. And he would come down much as he could, visit with me. And so when I had the opportunity to leave Coffeyville, I did well at Coffeyville. I was All-American, JC, Defensive Player of the Year. I had the opportunity to go to anywhere in the country. And because of my relationship with Danny Hope and Scott Downing and the bond that we built in that year, year and a half period, I knew Purdue was where I wanted to go. So you get to Purdue. You're a Texas boy. What was that like? Was it a culture shock? Did Kansas help you? Thank you. It was a culture (laughs) shock. At the time I flew up on my visit, I think it might have been, in quotation mark, the worst winter that we've had. So I'm thinking it could never get any worse than the recruiting visit. I get there and I I was a mid-year, so December, January. Within two days of being on campus, there was a blizzard. (laughs) There was a blizzard. (laughs) And I'm having to figure out, you know, Texas kid, I don't think I owned a coat, you know, a warm coat uh, or boots and having to figure it out. So I just laid it up. I would wear two pairs of socks. I went to Walmart, bought some long johns, wear jeans. I would wear a shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a sweater. This is a true story. A sweater. Then I think I borrowed a jacket from a teammate. So by the time, and I walked through campus. So by the time I got to class, I was dripping wet. Like I was sweating from having all that layers on. Yeah, it was a culture shock. So we know now that Aiken's journey at Purdue wasn't exactly a typical one. But I could tell immediately that Purdue means so much to him 20 years later. I asked Aiken why he chooses to stay involved with his alma mater, and his answer was an emotional one. What would you say, you know, when you think about Boilermaker spirit and the community, and you're still very generous and and give back, and you're here with this 
during this Naples weekend. What does that mean to you? Like, why was that important to stay passionate about Purdue and, and to give back? For me, all my accomplishments, everything I've done in my life, nobody does great things by themselves. Every talent needs great people to be successful. That's one of the things that I'm aware of. And I know that I am very fortunate that somebody gave to Purdue so that I could have a scholarship that changed my life. What a lot of people don't know is I grew up in a single parent household. I am the oldest of four. I'm dyslexic. I have ADD. I've never met my father. We grew up in a tough neighborhood. And that somebody took a chance on this kid who had all these red flags and said, you're okay to come here, and you're okay to learn, and you're okay to play ball, and you're okay to get exposed, and you're okay to meet. I used to wear my hat really low, and I had this one hat. It was my favorite hat. It was a polo polo golf hat. I don't know where I found it. I wore so much that it had the threads just hanging up, and Joe Tiller hated that hat. He threatened me one time I wore the hat in an interview. He threatened me that if I ever wore it again, I was going to have to do some extra gases. But I would wear this hat. You know, when I first got to Purdue, I would see these people, you know, I called people from Indiana country. And I'm from the country, but I called people in Indiana country. Like, you know, I don't know about these country people. They look at me funny. You know, they look at my hat. And all of a sudden, they just would embrace me. All of a sudden, they would invite me to, you know, their dorm or they would invite me to their party or they invite me to come hang out. The warmth and the friendliness of the culture that we have in West Lafayette and Purdue University, I find myself letting my guards down. I find myself embracing this new culture and the people that now I'm meeting, I call family and friends that to this day I can pick up my phone and call. That alone is part of why I give back and why, you know, I feel that it is important to reach back and give because somebody gave to you for you to get to your goal. Somebody gave to you for you to accomplish your dreams and that you have to go ahead and turn around and also open those doors so others too can reach theirs. I really love the way Aiken described the Purdue culture right there. Aiken also touches on why he continues to support and give back to the university through President's Council, part of the Purdue for Life Foundation. I feel honored, one, and the fact that my generation, I can be a representative for my generation. I look at it as an opportunity to open up doors for more people, to have a voice at the table, and to really just give a unique perspective from my lens and from those who you know are similar to me. I like the fact that we have that, and I'm honored to be part of it. Aiken played football for Purdue during a pivotal time. We're talking the Drew Brees Big Ten title winning 2001 Rose Bowl era here. And this era was all under former Purdue football coach Joe Tiller, who was hired by Purdue in 1997 and remains the winningest football coach in school history. Aiken discusses what it was like playing for Coach Tiller, who had high expectations and wanted his team to give it everything they had. What was it like playing for Coach Tiller? He has such a reputation. Yeah, he did. And, you know, he played mind games with you. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, so you had to be careful you know, it's almost saying which side of the bed was he waking up on. But the one thing about Coach Hill, he was consistent. You know, he was very consistent. He treated everybody fairly. You know, he had expectations and he had standards. And as long as you were very true and intentional about living up to it and working hard, you know, being a player that 
wanted to succeed by just giving everything you have and being truthful. He gave you chances. He gave you chances. Even when guys had messed up, as long as you could tell they were contrite, he gave them chances. For me, my biggest lesson, by the way, I'm a story guy, so I like stories. We love stories too. Biggest lesson, one of the coldest practices my first year at Purdue, don't remember who we're playing. So I finally had my mom or somebody send a jacket up to me. And that's back in the day when starter jackets were popular. And so for some reason, of all the jackets she could send, it was a Philadelphia Eagles jacket. And I wore that jacket everywhere. Even though I grew up in Dallas, Cowboys, she somehow found a Philadelphia Eagles jacket and she sent that to me. Practice, well, I can't remember around time, but I want to say around three, four o'clock. That's when practice was back then. And it was probably 20-something degrees outside. And we had to practice. Our socks were tube socks for practice. We did have long sleeves, but for some reason I said, you know what? I'm going to wear this bright idea, wear my starter jacket underneath my shoulder pads. So I wear tube socks, put everything else on, pads, pants, and I put my starter jacket, then put my shoulder pads on top of my starter jacket. And I walk out to practice. And guys are laughing. And Tittle looks at me. And all he does, he sticks his hand out and points to the locker room. He said, go back. Like, what? Go back. And tells our equipment manager, Mike, to take all my long sleeves, anything that was warm, take it away and just give me the two socks and the short sleeve shirt. And that's what I'd wear to practice for the entire season. What he was trying to teach me was to be tough. What he was trying to teach me was to, I can't control the elements. I can't control anything exterior outside of me. All I can control is me. And so from that moment on, I had to build mental toughness and build tough skin to get through the winter conditions. And so for my entire Purdue career and my entire professional career, I never wore long sleeves for games. From that point, from that day on, I never wore long sleeves. Now, I played in negative six degree weather in Kansas City when I played for the Dolphins. I played in Green Bay twice. I was going to ask about Green Bay. Yeah, I played in Green Bay twice where it was frigid cold and snowing and never wore long sleeves. So he toughened you up. He toughened me up. (laughs) But he had a way of doing that. You know, it wasn't a direct, you know, he just had a way of making you think or challenge you mentally so that now physically you could be tough or you could understand the lesson. In 2000, the Boilermakers won their first Big Ten title in 33 years. And there was a certain Big Ten quarterback, aside from Drew, that Aiken specifically remembers playing with during that time. I'll give you all some hints. He spent his first 20 seasons in the NFL with the New England Patriots. He's the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl in three separate decades. And he holds nearly every major quarterback record, plus has the most Pro Bowl selections. He is now retired and unretired. Oh, and he's widely regarded as the greatest quarterback of all time. The GOAT, if you will. I'll let Aiken explain who I'm talking about if you haven't guessed already. There's so many memories from Purdue and the victories, the style of victories. You know, I'm thinking the Notre Dame game where Willie Fell sits on the football and, you know, the clock runs out to, you know, the Michigan playing against Tom Brady. You know, I dropped an interception against Tom Brady. We played against Michigan where they was just beating us down in the first half. 
And the second half, we come back. You know, Travis Dorch kicked a game-winning field goal to capture the Big Ten championship and uh, birth to the Rose Bowl and against our nemesis, IU. To me, those and a lot more, but especially the Michigan and the IU game to win the Big Ten sticks out the most. One, for the Michigan, because of the style, the way we did it. We were weren't having a good game in the first half. Defensively, we were getting clobbered. Every, I believe they probably scored on every single possession at first half. And we go back in, locker room was dead silent. Nobody was saying anything until it was optimistic and positive. I think Matt Mitchell might have yelled one time, but there was something in the air and we knew that this wasn't us. And we figured it out. You know, I moved from defensive end to linebacker the second half and just kept going back and forth. And we managed to just keep pushing and fighting and fighting. And we knew if we could get the ball to Drew and the offense, they would put points up. And that was our golden ticket. Just give the offense the ball. And we finally figured it out and kept stopping them. The IU game, the sea of Purdue fans. And I don't know if you can see, because I'm getting chills just talking about that. The sea of Purdue fans. That to me was so memorable and so it's still vivid in my mind. And standing there and seeing all the fans run out on the field and stand, and I don't remember who were giving out the roses, but just seeing them around us and seeing how happy and how excited, you know, the entire fan base and the hard work for my teammates, those were great moments. I could tell after hearing those football memories, Aiken certainly still has a special place in his heart for Purdue football. Okay, so yes, Tom Brady is an exceptional quarterback, but Purdue produced one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time, too, Drew Brees. Aiken explains what it was like playing with this NFL record-setting quarterback, and it's clear Drew was a leader both on and off the field. It was great. He was great. He is the ultimate teammate. He was a natural leader. He's a competitor. He was friendly. He was humble. You know, he never felt that all the attention and all the records that he was breaking was above anybody else. You know, he felt that he wanted to be one of the boys. He wanted to be one of the teammates. You know, that to me was something I take away that I respect from outside of football, outside of the accolades and the accomplishments on the gridiron, just the way he moved and carried himself. And to this day, you know, I was with him at the Rose Bowl reunion last year and we've stayed in contact for person who has accomplished so much and has done so much for others, he's still regular and he wants to be that guy that you can count on. I love that about him, you know, and we can use that term or, you know, that endearment with each other just because, you know, we've had that rapport and respect for him, his wife, and all his accomplishment and his family. And he's a great guy. By the way, we really want to get Drew on This Is Purdue. So Drew, If you're listening, we'd love to have you. Have your people get with my people. So we've heard some awesome behind-the-scenes football stories from Aiken, but he actually shared something really interesting about his career path with me before our interview officially started. Aiken discusses his academic journey while at Purdue. What about the academic side? Did you have any favorite mentors or professors, classes at Purdue? Well, tell me about, you you were telling me previously you wanted to be an astronaut. Oh, you're just going to tell my <laughs> dark secrets. <laughs> so when I young elementary, middle school, high school, early on in high school, 
I've always been enamored by the stars and planets. And I said, when I grow up, when I go to college, I want to be an astronaut. And part of choosing Purdue is because I knew they had a good program and a good engineering program and astronomy program. And so I wanted to say, okay, maybe that could actually happen. And you get there and you start learning and understand that, well, maybe my mind just doesn't work that way. But it took me a while because, so when I was younger, I actually won awards for painting. And I would always paint planets, stars. I had a good eye, I had a good hand, and I guess artsy at the time. But none of that equated to, I guess, becoming an astronaut or even having a mind for that. So yeah, you know, academically, I chose a different route. I think my first, I took a psychology class. So, you know, I studied psychology and wanted to know a bit more, and which actually helped me also as an athlete and as a football player into my career and my pro career. Speaking of Aiken's pro career, I asked him how he navigated life in the NFL after being drafted in 2002 by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I uh, had a great college career. For me, I would say I having 30 plus sacks in three years that I was there, being a two-year captain, being a team MVP. For me, it was good, but I never still saw myself as an NFL caliber player. Got drafted to Jacksonville Jaguars in 2002, and I was around guys that you would watch and, you know, you were so enamored by their athleticism and their accomplishments. Uh, Fred Taylor, who was a first-round draft pick, Big 6'1", 235, ran a, I believe, a 4'3", 40 in the 40 dash. Wow, you know, had that size. He became my teammate. Tony Brackens, who went to Texas, to me, one of the most athletic and smartest defensive linemen that I've ever met. And, and I got to practice with him and play with him. Hugh Douglas, you know, all these guys that, you know, I watched and were pro bowlers. And all of a sudden, I'm in the same locker room. I'm on the same practice field. And to understand that it is a grown man's game. These guys were phenomenal athletes. They were such professionals. They were such, everybody worked hard. And to realize there's another level of being a professional, being an NFL player. So you have two choices. You can either play out to the level and work your butt off and show up every single day and be great. Or you can tuck your tail between your legs and walk away and said, this is not for me. But being at Purdue and being around the staff that we had, um, Danny Holt, Scott Downey, Coach Melvin, Coach Eman, Coach Green, Jim Chaney, Olsen, Coach Olsen, all these coaches taught us so much at such an early age that it was transferable into the league. All I knew at the time was keep your head down, show up, be accountable, work hard, and compete. I knew that if I could do those things, I gave myself a real shot. I didn't know if I was going to make the team even though I was a third-round pick. I didn't know if I would ever see the field. Matter of fact, my first NFL game was against Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning. I did not see one down of defense. One down of defense. I played special teams, but I didn't see one down of defense. And all of a sudden, my second game of my rookie year was against Kansas City Chiefs. And all of a sudden, right before the game, the head coach gets in my ear and says, hey, Kennedy, you're starting this game. Get in the game. To go from not playing to playing, but all that, all those attributes and all those lessons from Purdue prepared me for moments like that. It was hard. It was tough. It was a lot of work. 
but I was able to play as long as I did because of my time and because of the people that were around me at Purdue. After a successful eight seasons in the NFL, Aiken retired and headed to grad school. He discusses life after professional football. And what about post-NFL? You know, I'm sure Purdue has prepared you for that as well, because at some point, football ends for everyone, right? It ends. You know, most people leave the game not on their own accord and have to figure it out. I was fortunate to call it quits at the time I did. I chose to go to grad school. I went to George Washington University, and then I moved to New York, worked for a wealth management company, and I did that for a short time. And then some of the partners in the wealth management company transitioned and asked me to join them, and we formed a partnership to start our own wealth management private equity company called Eagle Rock, which I then headed, led the private equity side of the business. I did that for seven years and life then hits you and you have to pivot, which was the pandemic. And at the time I was traveling a lot. My wife now, uh, we were engaged, planning to get married, but we were both a lot of times two ships in a night traveling because she was the top, the lead educator for a skincare line called Tata Harper. And she had the entire Midwest and Southeast region. And I was traveling because we lived in Dallas. My business was in New Jersey and traveling back and forth to New Jersey. And so I knew that that wasn't the life that I wanted. We both talked about it and we decided to make a pivot. And so I pivoted into the insurance business. I was asked by the leadership of World Insurance, who you know I now work for, to be part of their team, part of the leadership team and to help them grow. And so now I'm a business development executive for World Insurance. And that's been cool. I'm a lifelong learner. Purdue sparked that. My academics and the relationships and teachers that I met there sparked that and gave me confidence that it was okay. I'm dyslexic. I was diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, whatever it is, at a young age. So that was a challenge growing up. And I always thought that because of those labels, that I was going to be conformed to a box and I had tapped out at a certain point. But when I got to Purdue, I made a dean's list. You know, I was able to get through my classes. Even I knew it was challenging. I got all the help and resources that I needed to get through all that. And that really gave me confidence that I could push myself academically. I could push myself intellectually. And so going through new stages in life isn't necessarily as difficult. There's a challenge there, but it's just a matter of the work you want to put into it. Going from finance to insurance, you know, it was just about us making a decision and moving forward with it. So I'm excited. I'm learning. I've only been at it for nine months now, and it's been a great journey so far. What was it like adjusting? You know, the NFL is probably so fast-paced. And what was it like going to kind of a nine-to-five job for you? The biggest adjustment was not having your time set for you. So when you're playing football, high school, college, pros, there's a certain time of year and you know exactly what you're doing to the T. You know where you're going to be, who you're going to be around. It's very predictable. Going from that to all of a sudden now, I call it civilian life. Either you go corporate or you become an entrepreneur and start your own business. There's so much that's out of your control. And you don't know what the day could look like. You could be in Dallas at 9 o'clock. and could be in New York at 3.30. So much could go on then. And having to navigate that, having to navigate your own schedule, having to allow others and trusting others 
to set your schedule for you. Corporate life is different. It's so much different. But I would say being an athlete, I believe, and I also look for athletes, people who've had an athletic background, not that they had to play professionally, but who competed, had an extracurricular activity outside of that, because there's some disciplines that goes with that. And there's a lot of positive attributes that come from that, that they can transition into a business or into corporate life. You know, we look for that and I look for that. And myself, I know personally that that has what's got me through all the different stages in life. You know, it's like you go through this one stage here, but it's really you're going through that just to prepare you for that next stage. And all the stages of football, the evolution of that in my life has really prepared me for all of these pivots and all of these transitions that I've gone through. As we discussed earlier in this episode, a Purdue football scholarship helped transform Aiken's life. And 16 years ago, Aiken decided he wanted to pay it forward and created Dream Builders, a 501c3 nonprofit that works with athletes across America to help children in need. The foundation works hand-in-hand with local schools and organizations to provide disadvantaged children with items and experiences most other kids take for granted. These include items like shoes, backpacks, or winter coats, and even school uniforms, sports equipment, or birthday and Christmas gifts. But the program's Dream Builders supports are never one-size-fits-all. For example, professional athletes who are looking for ways to give back can get involved with forming scholarships, weekend food backpack programs, school food pantries, and upgrades to activity spaces like playgrounds and sports fields where kids can stay active. A number of pro athletes like the Indianapolis Colts' Kenny Moore and the Detroit Pistons' Cade Cunningham are part of Dream Builders. Aiken discusses why Dream Builders is a great choice for certain athletes who want to give back to their communities and pay it forward, but may not know exactly what steps to take to do that. Dream Builders Foundation was originally Aiken's path. Aiken's path was a mentoring program for high school students. Every year, I would pick five high school students where I would mentor and I would take them to do community activities. We would get them tutors for subjects and programs that they needed extra help in. We'd also take their parents out on a trip. What I noticed was that there were a lot of athletes in my locker room that wanted to do good, but had a hard time navigating and setting up their not-for-profits at 501c3. So I thought to, okay, let's try to create something that we could bring everybody in underneath the same umbrella that supported them and covered all their issues, all their legal challenges or their setup challenges. Because what I saw was either my teammates were getting, people were taking advantage of them. They were spending a lot of money that wasn't being used properly, or there were some legal issues because of that. So I set up Dream Builders Foundation. One, it's kids and youth initiatives. We focus on education, extracurricular activities, and nutrition. The other part of the Dream Builders is we partner with professional athletes, basketball, NBA, NFL, and baseball, MLB athletes to be captains. And as long as it's kids and youth initiative or program that they want to support, or it's their own foundation that they want to partner with, we join forces together. And it's all really about supporting kids with challenges, with academic challenges, kids who want to have an extracurricular activity. And it's not just sports. You might have a kid who wants to learn an instrument. We find ways to support that and find resources. You might have kids or youth leagues that maybe don't have equipment. We support that. 
we partnered many years ago with Amazon and the Kindle because we had regions where kids were having reading issues and reading literacies. So we said, let's partner with a tech company that put a program in these Amazon Kindles that help kids to learn how to read better. These are all creative programs that we set up over the years, and we're 16 years into it. And even though I'm not a professional athlete anymore, we're still able to support programs and still able to partner with different athletes across the country. I think right now we have close to 30 different athletes that are part of our professional athletes that are part of our organization, they're partnered with us. And we have over 10 corporate partners that regionally sponsor or support our programs. That's really unique. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Over the last 10 years, we've raised uh, over $4 million and donated those $4 million back into the community. Wow. Talk about a giant leap. Dream Builders Foundation is truly making a difference in so many kids' lives across the country. And if you'd like to learn more about this foundation, head over to dreambuildersfoundation.com. I asked Aiken what he thinks of when he reflects back on his time at Purdue. You know, I became a man at Purdue. You know, I found my calling at Purdue. The person I am now is because of the seeds that people planted in me at Purdue. And I'm grateful for the experiences, the relationships, and the opportunity to attend a university that cares about its alumni and, and to continue to grow with it. Even though I live all the way here in South Florida, or even when I was in Texas, you know, I've had a connection with the university and them reaching back, supporting me or me supporting them. And that I'm grateful for that relationship and have that kinship with everybody there. What would you say, you know, if you're out in Texas or Florida, you're wearing your Purdue stuff? Do you ever get some boiler ups? Or- oh, yeah, most <laughs> randomly. Oh, yeah, randomly. And actually, I've actually uh, here in South Florida, I've noticed there's actually more Purdue fans, more Purdue alums than I realized which I love. It gives me confidence to wear, because they're hostile down here. <laughs> it's a different climate. They're kind of hostile down here. But I have more confidence now to wear my Purdue gear, knowing that I could possibly run into, you know, a Purdue fan or a Purdue alum. Okay, so we know Aiken is still proud to wear his Purdue gear, but does he still follow Purdue athletics all these years later? Do you still follow the football program or any of the athletics? Oh, yeah, all of it. Yeah. All of it. Because now I'm old enough to wear some of my teammates I actually have kids that are in college and are attending Purdue. You know, Rosewood Colvin has his daughter who plays volleyball at Purdue. Oh, amazing. So I follow football, basketball, swimming, soccer, a lot of the programs just because of still my relationship and connection to the university. And you talked a little bit about you get chills when you think of all the Purdue fans, you know, at certain games. What does that spirit and that community mean to you? You know, we played for each other most of the time at Purdue, but there was a sense of pride knowing that you had loyal fans and students, especially the student section, that watch and support you. The cool part of that is, you know, when we were on campus, especially when I was there, you would have just the most authentic conversations. Yes, they cared that you was a football player and, and that they watched you, but they genuinely, like, Care. Like you are a person and, you know, we just have the most random conversation about if it's your family or, or a dog or, or something that just would light, you know, your day because it wasn't just about X's and O and how come you, you missed that tackle or how come we lost that game or how did we win that game? No, it was something off key that grounded you. 
And so that connection to the fans, that connection to the alumni, that connection to all those who really support you means a lot. It means a lot. And I know the athletes there now have that same connection. And with all the success that we're having over the last you know, few years or so, years that are coming, I see that to continue to grow and to expand because what I would love for us is to be regularly spoken about in the media because I think we, a lot of times, we do get overlooked. And I think we can continue to do that academically and in our sports as well and in all the programs. You know, it's okay to pat yourself. T.O. used to say this, I love me some me. <laughs> I love you. You got to love you some you. And it's okay to tell people and tell the world that you love you some you. So let's love us some Purdue. Let's love us some time and, and continue to connect. And what does Aiken have to say about the Boilermaker spirit to all of those loyal Purdue football fans out there? All my stories, what is always attached to it is the fan base. And the reasons why, you know, we sometimes you have that ebb and flow of a game, but the highs of the games are because the support and the vibe, like I'm not necessarily an emotional person or this person that's like uh, vibe, vibes or, you know, <laughs> feelings, but there's something about playing a game and you can feel the energy of the people in the stands. You can feel the energy of the fans and to continue that support, to continue to show up. You know, I know it's snowing now. Thank God it's not football season. But when season is there, you know, rain, sleet, snow, sun, support, be there. We love it when they're in, in the stands. We love it, you know, when they're tuning. We love it when they tailgate. We love it when they show up and out there. So continue to do that. Know that your energy is felt by the players and just continue just to be all around. Aiken left us with a final thought about a new idea for This Is Purdue. Continue to watch this podcast, you know, <laughs> support. We should have a call in one time. Oh, like, sure. oh. like a like a Twitter session where uh-huh. well, I guess you would have to be live, right? Yeah. Yeah. We should go live right now. That would could be, be awesome. the next iteration of this. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I love it. Our podcast team really enjoyed sitting down with Aiken. His energy is contagious. If you'd like to watch our full video interview with Aiken in Naples, head over to youtube.com slash Purdue. You don't want to miss this one. Thanks for listening to This is Purdue. For more information on this episode, visit our website at purdue.edu slash podcast. There you can head over to your favorite podcast app to subscribe and leave us a review. And as always, boiler up.